Today on Blue 50, the Packers were roughly handled by the San Francisco 49ers, and how it happened could, and probably should, give us a big reason for concern the rest of the way. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast at thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here, even after a relatively definitive loss to the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers were a bit roughly handled in this one. What happened? Well, let's talk about first what didn't happen. I said the Packers needed to do three things to stay competitive to win this game against the 49ers. They needed a fast start on offense. They needed at least two turnovers from Jimmy Garoppolo. And they needed to score 28 points at least. Well, they started about as slowly as they possibly could. They did not force any turnovers from Jimmy Garoppolo and really didn't force him into anything resembling that much of a bad play at all. And they fell exactly 20 points short of scoring 28 points on the evening. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Really, this is a bad one for the Packers, and it's going to look bad for some time. I closed out the preview podcast by saying, if the Packers got smoked pretty good in this one, this could be a narrative-shifting game for the rest of the season. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here with the Packers. They got handled in this one by another team that has a legit claim at being one of the best in the NFC. The Packers, by their record, look to be close to on equal footing with the 49ers. But after the result of that game, it's hard to argue, no matter how they perform over these next five games, that they're even close to that level unless they make some big changes. No matter what the Packers do over the next five games, people are always going to be able to point back to this one and say, yeah, but. And what's more concerning about this, to me, is exactly how the Packers lost. The book on the Packers, I think, has been pretty well established. It's probably week three or week four. We've talked about the same things week in and week out about the Packers. They struggle to stop the run. They struggle to cover tight ends over the middle of the field. They struggle to cover the middle of the field in general. And now you can add they struggle against basic pass rush stuff. Sure, there's some elite pass rushers on the San Francisco front. They've got probably the best front in football. But that's the sort of opponent that you're going to have to overcome to be a true contender in the playoffs. The Packers don't look like that right now. And I think among the people who talk about this game at a national level, that's going to come up again and again and again. And to be honest, it probably should. Because the Packers have had a long time to get this stuff figured out. And it hasn't changed at all. Whatever they needed to do to get better at covering tight ends and everyone else over the middle of the field hasn't been done now in two plus months. Whatever they needed to do To defend the run better hasn't happened now in two plus months. And now with Brian Bulaga injured and his status uncertain for the foreseeable future, there's reason to be concerned about their ability to protect Aaron Rodgers going forward. There are some other deep-seated issues with this Packers team that I think this loss exposed, but we'll get to that in a second. Why did this game turn out the way it did. First and foremost, I think it's because the offensive line suddenly looks pretty bad. And again, the caveat that the 49ers have a very, very excellent defensive line. Probably the best the Packers will face for the rest of the season, though the Minnesota Vikings should not be slept on there. The pass blocking has been just a mess now for two or three weeks. And the run blocking, I think more than the pass blocking, seems 
decidedly average. Are the Packers just predictable in their run game? Do other teams know what's coming? Have they figured out how to stop Aaron Jones? I don't know, but it's become a significant problem. The 49ers are not a great run defense. We quoted a stat in in our preview piece that they're giving up about 5.3 yards per carry on first downs alone. The Packers weren't anywhere near that in this game. And by the time they got anything going on the run game, the game was already well out of hand. Props to the Packers for sticking with it down the stretch. It didn't matter. They couldn't get enough out of the running game to set up anything worthwhile. Furthermore, on the offensive line, in addition to Brian Belaga being injured, I think it's time to worry about David Bakhtiari if you weren't already. Yes, there may be a lingering injury there. Yes, he did have some back problems early in the season, but he is having an out-and-out bad, bad season. He is not the elite player that he once was. It's just as simple as that. Whether or not it's an injury or something else, I don't know. But he is playing so poorly on a week-in, week-out basis that he's actively hurting the Packers' offense. Whether it's a hold or giving up a sack, not being as strong as he once was, and that's what makes you wonder if it's an injury still still lingering, but he just does not look like the same player. And if you're not worried about David Bakhtiari, now is the time to start. The second reason this game turned out the way it did is because of explosive plays happening regularly against the Packers' defense. This has been a concern for a while now, sure. Uh, There are things about the Packers' defense that I think are still relatively solid. There were times in this game where their pass rush looked as good as it has at any point this season. Sure, again, the caveat there, uh, the 49ers do not have a very good offensive line. But you play the guys that you got to play. And the Packers pressured Jimmy Garoppolo in this one. But it didn't matter because they gave up explosive play after explosive play in the run game and in the pass game. Let's not even talk about the run game, because that wasn't the biggest reason the Packers lost, though it did contribute. There were plenty of big plays to be given up on the ground. Let's just talk about the passing defense. Of San Francisco's six biggest pass plays, the Packers gave up 98 yards after the catch. 98! It's just free real estate out there, left, right, and center. If you can catch the ball, if you can get into open space, chances are you're going to have miles of open space to run if you're playing against the Packers' defense. There are two plays in particular that really bothered me in this game. First was the big touchdown to George Kittle. This did not seem so much as a scheme-wide or play-call-wide failure as the failure of one individual. That individual would be Kevin King. Uh, Ben Fennell described his play, this one particular thing that he does, Ben Fennell, the the film analyst for The Athletic, uh, as a speed turn. Basically, he turns really early in a route and tries to run with a guy, almost guessing which direction he's going to try to go. And occasionally, in fact, it seems like more often than not, he ends up running in the exact opposite direction of where the receiver is going. For some reason, on George Kittle's big touchdown, Kevin King seemed to bail on his backpedal really early and turn and try to run with Kittle as though he was afraid that this 260-pound tight end was going to run past him. Why? I don't know. There's really no explanation for it. George Kittle moves pretty well for a tight end. But he's no danger. There is no danger of him running past Kevin King in the open field. 
there shouldn't be. But King covered him as though there was. And because of how he turned in that coverage, Kittle just had to stroll across the deep middle of the field, catch the ball, and essentially almost walk in for a touchdown. Then, with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, on a third and four, the San Francisco 49ers did a very, very smart thing. They figured out a way to get Blake Martinez isolated in coverage, in space, in the middle of the field. And they got a big, big gain out of it. Just how does that happen at this point of the season? How? I tweeted out a stat late this week that of all the Packers players who have been targeted on defense at least 20 times in coverage, Blake Martinez has the worst passer rating by far. It's over 100 points. Blake Martinez is almost worse than a guaranteed completion for the Packers' defense. And I don't know how at this point in the season you're allowing him to get isolated on a third and relatively short against a running back in the middle of the field. How is that allowed to happen? How do they have no other people they can put in that situation? Isn't the entire point of having that dime safety, that hybrid safety like Ibrahim Campbell out there to do exactly that, defend a running back, defend a tight end on third and short, And yet, here's Blake Martinez isolated against a track star running back in space. And all you see is him running behind that back with, again, miles of green space in front of him, an easy completion, a third down conversion, and more time off the clock for the 49ers as they worked to put the game away for good. Finally, I think you can point to a significant lack of playmakers on offense for the Packers as a significant reason they lost this game. Knowing that the 49ers were going to be coming fast and furious in the pass rush, the Packers desperately needed both backs and receivers. I'm not even talking about tight ends because we know how hopeless that is at this point of the year. They needed backs and receivers who could quickly win one-on-one matchups And get open fast. Instead, according to a stat tweeted out by Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire, you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, and Jake Kumaro combining for four catches on 10 targets for 23 yards. And sure, the Packers have a weird propensity to run a lot of slow developing plays, but they don't have anybody, anybody other than Devontae Adams who can win one-on-one in the passing game. Aaron Jones would be another option, but where was Aaron Jones? He's the one real explosive player that they have on offense. The one person who is a matchup problem consistently, down in, down out for this offense right now. And now two games in a row, he just disappears for long stretches. And I'm not meaning like disappears, he doesn't make plays. I mean, he's not in the game at all. What's going on? It doesn't make any sense. The Packers need help for guys like Aaron Jones. The Packers need to put Aaron Jones on the field and feed him the ball consistently. They need help for Devontae Adams. They need somebody who is more than just a long-striding, tall receiver who can get open either out of the slot or some way quickly. I thought the entire purpose of this offense was to scheme guys open, and I still believe that's true. But there needs to be that ability to win those one-on-one matchups. 
to at least scare defenses into not bringing pressure that the way they did on key downs. The Packers had to resort to short screen passes in this one, to their receivers, to Alan Lazard, to Devontae Adams, to get them open. They didn't have anybody who could get open quickly. They didn't have anybody who could make this defensive backfield in San Francisco, good as it is, respect the Packers' pass catchers. It's just disheartening to see this offense bogged down Sure, because of the pass blocking, but just because there aren't guys who can consistently beat the guy in front of them among their skill position players. So what does this loss mean? Well, it means I think you can talk about or stop talking about the Packers as real contenders for that top seed in the NFL, first and foremost. Let's just get that out of the way right away. The Packers are not going to be contending for the number one seed in the playoffs. More importantly... I think this means the real portion of the season has begun. That 8-2 and two start as gr- was great, but now at 8-3, and three, they are technically, only technically, still leading the NFC North. They are tied with the Minnesota Vikings at 8-3. and three. They've got the head-to-head win over the Vikings to put them ahead of the Vikings technically, but it's going to be a rock fight from here on out. It's going to be tough, down and dirty, no chance, no room for error from here on out. And the Packers can't afford to stumble at all. Otherwise, you're suddenly looking at a wild card round game, probably on the road, and that could be really tough. Because behind San Francisco, you've got Seattle, you've got New Orleans, you've got the Minnesota Vikings. And two of those three teams are not going to get that number two spot in that second bye in the NFC playoffs, assuming, of course, that the Packers don't get there. So should the Packers end up in the wild card round as a non-NFC North champion, they're going to be headed on the road to play somebody like the Saints or the Seahawks or even the Vikings. And I don't think we want to see the result of that game, the way the Packers have played on the road of late. The Packers absolutely have to take care of business against the teams that they are supposed to beat from here on out. And four of the next five, the Packers certainly should beat. They should be favorites against the Giants, against the Redskins, against the Bears, against the Lions. But they could mess up any one of those games. And if they do, it's going to be costly. What happens next? The Packers travel to New York to play the Giants. Noon kickoff next Sunday. The Giants lost 19-14 to the Bears today. They are just 2-9. and nine. They're getting solid, but generally what we expected sort of play from Daniel Jones. They're sixth overall, still again for some reason quarterback. And the Packers should win this one. But it's getting tougher from what we've seen in two of their last three games, to really count on the Packers to take care of business and do what they're supposed to. Typically, at this point, I'd give you a list of of bulleted thoughts about about the game itself, but I want to talk just for a second about Chris Collinsworth. And I know I, I gripe about announcers probably more than the average podcaster, but that's that's my background. That's what I did professionally for a while. I was on the air as a professional broadcaster. Now, I would I did not broadcast at the level of Sunday night football. I was at my peak uh, a drive-time news anchor and occasional host 
at a top 50 market station in Milwaukee. But my goodness, the basic errors that Chris Collinsworth makes on a weekly basis, it's just astonishing for a former professional football player, for a professional broadcaster to get things wrong like a reverse or an end around. Calling those plays incorrectly on a weekly basis is just maddening to me, and I don't understand it. I don't understand how he cannot get that right. Devontae Adams scores a touchdown on what is clearly a little push pass, a shovel pass, a flip pass, whatever you want to call it, from Aaron Rodgers, and Collinsworth calls that a reverse, and that wasn't even his worst call of the day. Early on in the game, Devontae Adams was called for a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Sure, fine, whatever. I don't want to debate the merits of the call. I thought it was a little bit Bush League, but whatever. That's not the point. They threw the flag. It is what it is. But Collinsworth, watching the replay with the rest of us, observes the San Francisco 49ers player raking his hand over Devontae Adams' face mask as he goes out of bounds. Adams, as one might, takes exception to that and gets in his face, and he's flagged. But Collinsworth not speaking tongue-in-cheek from what I could tell, says that Adams initiated this conflict unprompted. What are you talking about? And then, not three plays later, Aaron Rodgers is sacked on a third, and I believe it was eight. The down and distance, well, the distance doesn't really matter. The down, a third down play, he's sacked, he fumbles, the 49ers recover at the Packers, what, two or three yard line. We're shown a replay from behind the play. And it's clear as day what happens. Aaron Rodgers drops back to pass and immediately looks to Alan Lazard, who is lined up in the slot on the right side of the formation. But what happens? Alan Lazard trips. He falls down, or nearly falls down, and thus Aaron Rodgers has to go someplace else. And Collinsworth just cannot figure out what happens on this play. He chides Aaron Rodgers for holding on to the ball too long. Well, where exactly was he supposed to go? His primary receiver on the play fell down. Then he had Nick Bosa breathing down his neck, among others. Just, Chris, watch the game. For crying out loud, just watch it. Week after week, we hear these same mistakes from Chris Collinsworth, and it just boggles the mind. I just do not understand it. These guys get paid good money to prepare for just these sorts of things, and they get them wrong week after week after week. I don't understand it. Maybe that's just a little bit of aggression. Maybe I've just not quite gotten enough sleep lately. Maybe it's a little bit late after a disappointing Packers loss, but surely we can ask for a little bit more from people who have to cover a grand total of one game per week. Just call the plays correctly. That's all I ask. If it's not a reverse, don't call it a reverse. At least get that one right. So I've got for you on this episode a little bit salty here in this one. Uh, I think we're all probably a little bit, a uh, little bit perturbed after this Packers Packers effort. Maybe a little bit exposed in this one. Maybe just a little bit more to it than that. But hey, hope springs eternal. We got the Giants coming up. And it's Thanksgiving week. A lot of pie in the forecast for me. And you know my feelings on pie, if anything else. Um, yeah, that's that's good to look forward to. And we'll talk a little bit more about what we're thankful for on an upcoming episode of Blue 58. It's a good, a good week for that. For right now, give us a rating, a review on your podcast 
listening app of choice. It does help more people find the show. Check us out on Patreon or other options on our support page at thepowersweep.com if you like what you heard and you want to help us keep this going. If you do anything else, just leave us a comment, a thought, a bit of feedback wherever you happen to listen or via Facebook, via Twitter, via email. Just do it. It helps us learn more about what you'd like to hear about, what you think we should be doing, what questions we can answer for you. And doing those things is going to help us further our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.